Hi, and welcome to In Gear, a podcast about marketing, marketing technology, and really anything else that comes up in conversation. In Gear is produced by Message Gears, a customer marketing technology provider serving radically different software used by the world's largest brands. We hope you enjoy the show. Here are your hosts, India Waters and Nick Zeke Lopez. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of In Gear, Message Gear's only podcast. My name is Nick Zeke Lopez, the Director of Product Marketing at Message Gears, and today I'm joined with, as always, India Waters. Hello, everyone, and I'm India Waters. I'm on our partnership team and happy to be here at our only podcast. Yes, only podcast. You know, they keep, uh, everybody keeps trying to start a, a second Message Gears podcast. We say no. Yep. This is this this is we've got corner, the podcast game quarter. India, how are you doing today? You know, it could be sunnier, it could be warmer, but other than that, pretty pretty good, pretty great. Yeah, it was like um, twenty five degrees here in Atlanta uh, uh, this week, and I, I just didn't know what to do with it. Um, but fortunate uh, because we still have uh, our power. Uh, I don't know, and 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 water, and so so we are in relatively good straits. Um, I will have to admit, I had like a quick sort of like apocalyptic feeling this week. Like, should I go buy a bunch of bottled water? Should I stock up on like batteries and stuff? But I fought the feeling, I pushed it down, and I don't have any backup supplies here in my house. I'm going to say good instincts there. I bought seven gallons of whole milk and five loaves of white bread, and they have, they are going so bad right now. Yep, yep, yep. I gave away my one one gallon of milk already to my neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to die first. That's my strategy. Uh, Those and Twinkies, I think, are what we need. Um, On today's episode, because it is the third uh, installment of our our podcast, uh, we're going to talk about three big marketing trends uh, in 2021. Uh, Things to watch out for, things we're noticing, um, and what to look for. Uh, India, are you excited? Just, I couldn't be any more amped up. Can you tell? Uh, absolutely. You're staring at me with like just a straight face right now. Just like not even, you refuse to emote. So, so I feel like. For all the listeners out there. <laughs> yes. Uh, so um, uh, let's, let's kick it off uh, with t- takeaway number one, uh, which is going to be the continued shift in growth of mobile messaging um, uh, between uh, push notifications and SMS, specifically the growth of new technologies such as RCS and 10 DLC. So uh, I feel like we hear this every year um, uh, that, that, you know, oh, this, this is mobile's year. Uh, um, and, and, and we don't think that, uh, I mean, at least I don't think that anything is going to be happening to email or traditional channels. But, you know, I was getting ready. Uh, so, so I did a, a webinar on Messages SMS feature um, uh, the other week. And I, so I started looking up some stats about the prevalence of specifically SMS. Um, and it was, to me, it was strange um, so some of the things that I saw because I, I could not believe how it was real. So for instance, uh, to, to give you an example, India, uh, over three fourths of the consumers are okay with receiving SMS um, messages from brands. Um, and SMS messages have a 98% open rate with 90% of SMS messages being read with three minutes. Does that jive with your personal experience? No, it does not. <laughs> right 90 percent of sms messages being read within three minutes i mean it doesn't yeah that is not my personal experience and even specifically this week 
I um, was trying to buy um, this tracksuit. Um, it's it's a Parm tracksuit from a famous comedian, Heather McMahon. She partnered with somebody and I got on the website and I was trying to buy this sweatsuit and the website wasn't working, which this SMS that I got was actually really well-timed. Like there was problems with the website. I don't remember how they got my, my, my phone number, which was a little concerning. Um, and they were like, hey, it's Emma from Mr. Eatwell, quick heads up. And they like gave me an update on the website. So like it was helpful and I did open it pretty soon after that, but I was like freaked out. I don't remember giving them my phone number. I'm free. Uh, I mean, similarly, I was ordering a chicken parm on DoorDash and they sent me an SMS. No, no, that has nothing to do with it. Uh, um, no, but but um, I, I I am surprised at that number. That mo- I mean, I think like most people. So by the way, are you like an inbox zero person? Like when you look at your phone, do you have thousands of notifications or do you have none? Like, have you read every message? I read all of my emails. I don't read all of my text messages, which I do feel is a little different than the norm out there. But you know, I I can't open them until I'm ready to respond. Are you telling me that you just have a lot of friends and don't get a lot of emails? Is that what you're hinting at here? Sure, sure, sure. You know what? This is for the audience. These are for the listeners out there to, to interpret. But I like to respond once I open a text message, but emails I don't feel like I have to respond to right away. Well, you bring up a good point in engagement there because uh, saying that you want to respond, you want, you want to send a text, uh, text messages have a over 200% higher response rate um, than phone calls, email, or Facebook ads or Facebook messages. A, a, I believe it is a, an offer sent by an SMS is over 10 times more likely to be redeemed than any other offer sent on any other channel. Um, and I think it's because with, with SMS, there's this idea of, of engagement. It is a two-way line. Um, I mean, think about the last time. I cannot remember. I say I can't remember. I don't know that I've ever gotten an email that, that, uh, from, a, from a large brand that, that openly invited me to reply with like words or content. Have you? No. No, I, I, I it's, it's, it's hard and I get it, but, but with SMS, like I almost feel like every time if I text back on an SMS, whether it be like a short code or a toll free, whatever it is, I feel the expectation that I'm going to get a response from a person. Is that, is that, am I alone in that? I think that's, yeah, I know. I don't think you're alone. I'm literally reading some of my like marketing SMS messages that I've gotten in the past like two weeks. And they do all say like, let me know. Uh, yeah, yeah no. Um, uh, I, I mean, and, well, and the reason for that is because the two way communication is so much easier, specifically with the way that the tools are built. But I mean, speaking of engagement, I find it fascinating. The idea of, of, of this RCS service that's coming out. Are, are you, uh, are you familiar with that? No, and, and the people are not either. Okay, okay. Thank you for speaking for the people. No, uh, so RS, RCS is, is rich communication services. So, um, all the, I mean, it's been in the works for like 10 years, um, but it's it, the way I think of it is it's Google's answer to iMessage. So when you have two iPhone users, um, as I understand it, you get all of these, like, uh, I would say a lot of functionality that you don't just get through SMS, right? Because you're an iMessage. It's a different color. You could send, uh, I don't know, you have an iPhone, right? What, like, what do you get? Yeah, just like all the people do. Uh, just like everyone listening, we all have iPhones. Okay, okay. So, 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 so you, you then are familiar with in iMessage, you have a better experience than SMS. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you uh, can ask reactions. You can um, you can see when people are typing to you. All sorts of great stuff. Um, uh, I just want another avenue that I can leave people on red for. That's what I live for. It's just read messages that people send and say, no, I will not respond now. Um, uh, unlike, unlike you, I guess. Uh, but what I'll say is, um, so, so Google has wanted to answer that for a while. And so what they are building along with partnership from the carriers, so it's a pretty big deal, is the ability to basically get all of that functionality in Android phones using standard SMS protocols, or I would say upgraded SMS to a new open source protocol called RCS that the carriers themselves, Rise and AT&T Sprint, they are supporting. So the idea is instead of this person-to-person iMessage experience, people and more importantly in, in this context, brands can start to get a lot of those, those uh, enhanced rich uh, services. So, so to give you an example, right? Um, if you are a drugstore, uh, or a pharmacy, you can you can te- you can send an automated text to a person saying, "Hey, uh, your prescription is ready um, at this location. Would you like to pick up anything else with it?" And you could text back. And, and there are pre—I don't know if you've ever seen any of these uh, uh, demos or or, or um, examples, but they will pre-fill. Like, "Hey, do you want to do you want to say like yes? Show me what you have." And so you send that. And you just kind of click on that, and it sends it. And then because it's like upgraded SMS, they could send you like like scrollable pictures and items and like prices where you're like, oh yes, I want mouthwash um, and a turkey bacon soda uh, uh, sandwich. Um, <laughs> yes, but uh, but the idea is it's taking the, the realness and liveness of two-way communication SMS and upgrading it for the people that have Android. Um, now the question for the industry is will, Apple and the iPhone hop on board. Um, they have iMessage, which at this point is a walled garden. And they've made it so. Can RCS, because as you say, everybody everybody listening has an iPhone. It's actually not true. iPhone is, is worldwide smaller in the market share uh, due to popular uh, popularity of places like Huawei in, in China um, and then the booming uh, uh, Android scene in, in uh, just all around Africa. So the I question- love that you think we have international listeners. Okay. To an extent, everybody uh, uh, cares about uh, that. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that that pe- if you use a Huawei phone, please, please let us know. Um, I would like to send you something. Um, but- An iPhone. He would like to send. <laughs> no, no. Um, no, no. So uh, uh, that's the idea, is that uh, if it can make enough traction this year, and I expect to see big brands uh, looking at that, and as well as 10 DLC, which is actually much more straightforward, stands for a 10 digit long code. So you know when, you, when you're when you scrolling through your uh, messages from those uh, providers, a lot of those are actually um, these short codes, right? Five or six digits, which they're sending a, a ton of uh, a ton of messages with, right? Um, the, the carriers themselves, the cell towers are, are, are able to prioritize and send that traffic in bulk. The idea is, um, and they've been working on this for a little while, there are now 10 digit codes, like area code, right? However you'd, re- you'd read your number, right? Bum, 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 right? Uh, uh, those kind of numbers can now support bulk traffic so that when you're getting uh, SMS from your uh, your brands, whether it be DoorDash or, or uh, Chicken Parmesan, whatever you're doing, um, uh, it now is like a local area code, which has been shown to have a much higher response rate than just a short code. Would you be willing to text someone back more if you thought that they were a local person than um, you know a five-digit number? Um. Again, 
you know, I usually see like the short codes and I'm like, oh, this is, this is like, a, it feels like safe. Cause I, I feel like they had to like buy that short code. It was expensive. It's definitely from like a trusted person. So I do, I don't, I don't, it's not necessarily that I would like respond more to either or, but I feel like the, in my, in my just weird experience, I do feel like I trust the short codes more. Wait, are you saying that, um, that iPhones and, or Apple would have to get on board with RCS and, and 10 DLC? Like if it's supported by the carriers, why does iPhone have to get on board anyway? It's like, why do they have to so, get on board? Right, 10 DLC would be available to iPhone no matter what, right? They can send you, you can send a message to any iPhone. It's just like that, that number. But RCS messaging is a new kind of messaging that Google has built apps for. Like the chat app in Google is kind of an SNMS app that can handle SMS and RCS. The question is, will Apple allow, create, promote those kinds of apps on their platform instead of just iMessage? Um, uh, I'm actually... Uh, not familiar. You can outside of iMessage, can you or can you not? Uh, uh, just for iPhone users, just install other SMS applications. Do you know? So, like when you you're using iMessage on your iPhone, it's mixed in with SMS and iMessages. It's all in one experience. But I mean, you can use like. Is that your question? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Can you uh, download another app that does iMessage or SMS? I don't think so. Like, I mean, like there's like Google chat. So that's not SMS or iMessage. There's like, uh, got what's the international one that you use when you go on vacation? Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, like WhatsApp and Telegram. What's and and that's, uh, that's, that's our iMessage either. Right. That is a final takeaway with concerns of privacy continuing to bubble up. Will, um, those, will those platforms allow um, uh, for, for expanded brand usage, right? I'm thinking telegram and signal. Um, how can, how can, you know, brands better take advantage of that and better respect users privacy? Um, because I'm a signal user. I don't know if you, I, I guess you used, uh, uh, iMessage, uh, but it's a fully end-to-end -end encrypted, uh, uh, software. Unlike WhatsApp, they do not hold the encryption keys. You do. Um, which means that no one can, um, they can't, you know, turn that data over to any third party or government. Um, so increasingly popular with people uh, that are privacy minded. Do you think people that are privacy minded really want to be texted by brands? Um, well, no, it goes, it goes back to your question of, uh, well, and, and it, it, I think that there is a point of volunteering information for um, a better experience, right? So if you knew that, uh, uh, like, like you said, with your, your Parm tracksuit, um, I think a privacy minded person would want to be texted that information I don't think they would want to be randomly solicited uh, in a way that that um, uh, I don't think that is, is good for any platform right now. I'll tell you, if I got a text about a tracksuit, I would not I would not respond well. But um, you and I have different uh, purchasing patterns and lives. Um, I'll show you the I, pictures later. You definitely want the farm suit. Uh, I'm gonna do, we are not being endorsed by the farm suit, um, is my understanding. Um, moving on, second big uh, uh, trend to watch out for. Marketers propelling the continued industry shift towards modern and cloud-based data warehouses. So, uh, we, I mean, we saw this last year with, with what I, I think was the biggest software IPO of all time in, in Snowflake. Um, and, and that has made, I know that has made many people uh, uh, very, very happy with that want to promote that kind of technology. Before we get into this, India, um, can you tell me a little bit about what you know and, and how you define a modern data warehouse? 
Um, so I'm speaking as a lay person and as myself, India Waters. Um, but what I know about modern data warehouses is that is that you're they're able to handle more of a compute within their environment. So before when you would you everybody's collecting all this data in some sort of warehouse and you're you're not able to do any sort of uh, analytics or run any queries on that data in that warehouse. You have to like take out what you want to then make some decisions on that data. So it, it, these more modern data warehouses are able to handle compute power um, and you're not having to create extra data silos outside of them to actually use the data. Am I right? Well, that's exactly it. I mean, they've taken they've taken you know what we call MPP or, or massively parallel processing, um, and, and to kind of separate that compute from that storage later for um, a a really speeding up the time to access, use, um, um, and put to work the data that that any enterprise brand has. And on top of that, uh, uh, companies like Snowflake. Um, are beginning to uh, really put into play a, a suite of features that I think is going to change a lot of the landscape. Things like uh, you know the, the the Snowflake data marketplace, um, uh, the ability to to share and, and, and access data in a way that that you know previously was unknown. I, I think that the quote that that Snowflake likes to use is that in the future data will be currency. Um, but but it's not just them, right? They are those kinds of changes are causing. Um, a lot of like the investment in Databricks. I think what what um, I, for, I, for, I think it was Google uh, did a pretty massive uh, investment into Databricks last year, um, as well as as Redshift it now offers data sharing as well. Um, uh, which, by the way, we have a piece on the timeline of data warehouses coming out. Uh, a brief history of data warehouses coming out in March uh, for our our message years listeners. But um, what I will say is is that trend has been obviously much more than marketing wise. And there are many reasons you might want a modern data warehouse, um, whether it be from the technology side, whether it be from the data and analytics side, um, these trends are existing outside of marketing for a good reason. But um, according to some, some research that uh, uh, we've seen from uh, B2C marketers, increasingly marketers are hopping on board with getting and promoting that modern data warehouse um, uh, change within their organization. So as an example, um, in, in some recent research we did over two thirds um, of uh, marketers who said that uh, digital messaging is their highest uh, highest priority, um, their company is is getting on board uh, a modern data warehouse, um, and only nine percent uh, of digital marketers said that a modern data warehouse is not in their near or long term plans. Which is telling you that the majority of uh, uh, of these companies, if not marketing teams, are 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 really hopping on board that that trend. Can you think of why that might, I mean, what are, what are some ideas for you about how that might change marketing or, or, or what the marketers are doing? So how is this migration of marketers putting value in, in seeing a future in modern data warehouses? How is this going to change marketing for them? Yeah. So, yeah. So what? So what? Yeah. So what? I mean, I feel like I was reading something recently and you know, every marketer is like, we just want to start using the data. We just want to start, you know, we want to, we're data driven. And really, I feel like until you actually have some sort of platform like a Snowflake or Databricks or, or your data in a modern data warehouse, like how are you actually being data driven? How are you actually going to be able to use that data if you can't 
at, use it in 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 these old types of platforms that they're that marketers were storing their data and like they weren't really able to use it. They're really actually just maybe like being data driven off of just like an action on a website, not actually pairing that action on a website based with the data that they know about the customer. They're just using like one data attribute sometimes to power marketing. Um, yeah, and, and, and I've certainly experienced that before where you go to buy something and then you kind of leave and you come back and buy it and then you get the message that says like, oh, don't, don't remember to buy your thing. Um, whether it be concert tickets or like plane tickets, not plane tickets, um, or even like, hey, uh, I got one that was like, I got the the confirmation receipt that I bought a, an item, and then right after that was like, hey, don't don't forget to buy your item, and it was like it was like the same picture, the same formatting in the email. Like you guys aren't you guys aren't even trying, but it's I mean it's exactly what you said. It's because they're working from these uh, in a lot of ways. Marketers are trying to create sensible user flows, but kind of that backend data they have is is really segmented um in a way that uh does not allow for like a cohesive customer story and we, and we always think of a customer 360 um and we've talked about customer 360 forever right for it's it's been it's been top of mind for 10 years the idea of a modern or cloud-based data warehouse specifically of performance so it doesn't have to you know uh, uh that is what is going to propel i think a lot of those changes and hopefully reduce a lot of those experiences yeah so closing here uh, with our, our third takeaway, um, and, and, this is, and this is due to some upcoming uh, research that we're gonna be publishing a little bit next month, but uh, we're, seeing thing, we're seeing some pretty serious shifts in me message frequencies coming out of 2020 going into 2021. Um, so, uh, so the idea that enterprise marketing might start to rein in message frequency while smaller uh, brands and smaller market marketers are going to try to aggressively grow the number of messages they send per person. Um, so like I said, we, we don't, we don't want to uh, leak too much in the podcast uh, uh, for, for our marketing team here, but uh, we're th seeing things of, of enterprise marketers sending uh, hundreds of millions of messages uh, a year um, are much more likely at this point to be concerned uh, in our, our recent, uh, uh, I would say recent survey that we've put out are much more concerned about message frequency and the toll that it's taking on their consumers. And many say they're likely to send the same number of messages in 2021 or fewer than 2020. Um, let's stop there. I mean, thinking about the last 12 months and almost specifically 12 months to the day, um, I mean, 12, uh, you know, you go back 12 months ago, we're like, there's, there's this funny thing called coronavirus. Like, do you think it'll ever, I think like you said, you thought you got it on a trip or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I got it um, at a wedding in Columbus, Georgia, and I took it all the way to Palm Springs and gave it to about 200 people at a trade show. And that was, that was before the CDC when they say, say it's definitely before it had ever entered our country. So you just, you shared drinks at a wedding got on a plane and then said it was coronavirus in some sort of attempt to feel better or worse. I'm not sure. Um. <laughs> I really didn't think it was it, but I was very deathly ill. And um, yeah, I mean, it was, the timing was right. The timing was right. So, so when you think about a, a year ago, that's what you're looking at. A year later, we have had like a, a dozen things for brands to either react to or message in place, of, right? Coronavirus, uh, the pandemic, the lockdown. Uh, the protests, um, the election, 
the impeachment, right? Uh, all of these these kind of uh, things, consumers are saying, and, and consumers are, by the way, getting divided uh, as well, with more and more people uh, having stronger sentiment that brands should represent the political views for which that brand takes. And that also, on the other side, the brands shouldn't. So uh, what we were saying, like, it, like if you looked in 2017, there were a bunch of people in the middle that were like, ah, you know, I don't really, you know, it, it doesn't really matter too much to me. More and more people are being outspoken that the people that they, they want the people to buy products from either to have a voice or not to have a voice. Think of a company like REI or Patagonia, right? They, you know, th- those consumers want those brands to have a voice. Um, but when you, if you think of like a bank, uh, I think it's going to be hard to please everyone there. Of, of if you're a financial services company or something like that, how do you make people happy that want you to have a voice when you have an equal number of people that may even be agreeing with them that just don't want you to have a voice because they want to separate their brands and politics? What part of that spectrum do you lie on? I think it's so much more complicated than that. I think it's like I, I fall on the spectrum for different brands. Like I, I I'm for some brands that I buy from, like, you know, I would, it's like almost the expectation from the beginning, like REI and Patagonia, Patagonia especially has built his brand on being um, environmentally conscious. And and they, that's, that's how they built their brand. And I think we're seeing a lot of more brands come out of this like that, that are, that are new brands that are immediately coming out of the gates with a voice. Um, But, you know, uh, not sure I'm expecting Chase Bank to, you know what I am? I am expecting Chase Bank to okay. try to come out on the right side of history. So you know what, I, I, I want him to have a voice. That's my okay. final answer. There, 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 okay, uh, it, it, it was hard to get there, but we got there. Yeah, uh, we got there, yeah. And you, and you, I mean, knowing you, right? Right, being your coworker of, of two and a half years, um, I, I feel like that, I, I can absolutely see that, uh, uh, that your, your perspective there. You know, it's funny you mentioned those smaller brands that are now having more of a voice because that's the other thing that we're seeing is that smaller brands are not concerned about potential consumer fatigue and are looking to either double or more than double uh, the messages that they send in 2021. And I think it is part of a growing, at least I believe it's part of a growing, I would say, sect of consumerism, which is wanting to buy local and buy personal. So I want to buy from the brands that represent me. I want to buy from, you know, brands in Atlanta, Georgia, um, especially looking at, at, I would say, some of the commentary following Amazon's great year last year um, of people wanting to either lean in or lean away from that. Um, so I, I would say the takeaway here, in my mind, is bigger brands having to straddle that line of some people wanting them to have, have a, an outspoken political voice. Some people definitely not wanting them to have an outspoken political voice. And smaller brands leaning into, we don't have to straddle that line. We are an identity brand. So we are going for it. Um, I, you know, I, I keep bringing back to your tracksuit. Uh, would you say that that tracksuit had any particular uh, um, either political or identity politics associated with it? Or was it just middle of the road and that's where you want it to be? I mean, if I went deep, uh, I think it does have some uh, uh, identity politics in it because I know like it's like an Instagram personality who's um, not afraid to like speak her mind um, and also not afraid to make a Parmesan cheese tracksuit. Yeah. Is that is that is it Parmesan cheese? Yeah. Okay. She also makes one with crystal. I, uh, 
we, can, we, we're going to have to post that on the messengers blog when you get that. Uh, <laughs> it's just you and the hot sauce and you and the, uh, the, the, the Parmesan cheese tracksuit. Uh, because I don't. Yeah, it's going to be totally weird. Um, any final thoughts on that, on that last takeaway? Um, I think, I think we took it in an interesting direction. I think at first the, the, the stats for me with the high, the big brands sending a lot of emails or a lot of messages worrying about sending too much and the smaller brands wanting to send more at first, it sounds like a, an argument of like quantity versus quality, but I think to take it deeper, it really is sort of like what the, the direction that you took it in of the, do they want to have more of a voice? Are we checking in? Are we taking a stance on everything that comes up and, and sending messages um, about it? So I, it's an interesting direction you took that, uh, those stats yeah. in. <laughs> that's, that's what the podcast is for, yeah. uh, getting a little deeper. So so those are our big three takeaways for, for 2021. The, the growth of, of mobile, specifically SMS and its related technologies, uh, marketers continuing to push the industry into uh, the era of the modern data warehouse um, and big brands uh, worrying about a message frequency while small brands um, uh, being less less concerned. Um, now, we had discussed uh, uh, how we were going to end the podcast um, and India, I forgot, what, what did you have? It's called a sign off, Nick. It's called a sign off at the end of the podcast. Okay, so um, already doing great. Um, and my my idea was to say like thanks for joining us on in gear vroom vroom. Okay, uh, I'm not going to say that, but I actually honestly don't mind that you said it now that I hear it. Uh, so we'll leave it there. Thank you everybody for listening, um, and uh, can't wait for our next episode in March. Bye. This has been In Gear, a podcast from Message Gears. Please make sure to subscribe so you can get the latest episodes delivered right to wherever you listen to podcasts. And let us know how we're doing. We would love your feedback. Visit us at messagegears.com to learn more and to get in touch. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.